1: everyone. This is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast, hosted on the Be Here Now Network. And my guest today is author of a book called The Holy Wild, A Heathen Bible for the Untamed Woman, Danielle Dulski. Danielle, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Chris. Very happy to be here. Yeah,
1: I'm really excited to talk to you about this. It's... uh I don't know if I've ever had a guest quite like you on the show, and as we (laughs) uh, get into this conversation, listeners will understand why, but uh, briefly, before we do that, I just wanted to read your uh, short bio for our audience. Uh, Danielle Dulski is the author of The Holy Wild and Woman Most Wild. She is an artist, yoga teacher, energy worker, and founder of Living Mandala Yoga Teacher Training Programs. She leads women's circles, witchcraft workshops, and energy healing trainings and lives in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Find out more about her online at livingmandalayoga.com or if you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network uh, website, simply scroll down and the link will be right there. Just click the button and it'll take you on over. So again, Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me.
2: Yeah, I'm excited.
1: Yes, as am I. So (laughs) what I like to typically do um, with guests is before we dive into the book, which is going to be the bulk of our conversation, I would love to know about Danielle, the young child and the trajectory, what happened in your life that led you to the path that you're on today, if you're cool with uh, sharing a bit about that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It is a little bit of a long story. (laughs) Uh, Well, like I said, we've got (laughs) to childhood.
1: (laughs) I mean, you you can nutshell it however you want, but we've got time.
2: So so I was raised um, very close to where I live now in Pennsylvania, and Mm. I was raised born again Christian, Mm. um, pretty strict born again Christian. So I went to a born again Christian school every day. And then I had church twice a week and sometimes um, Bible study in the evening. Evenings also. So it was a pretty strict religious upbringing. And my mother was very much in charge of all of that, my religious indoctrination. And then my father was kind of this atheist outlaw biker guy. (laughs) 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 So, in trying to explain the bizarre. Human product that is me.
1: All right. <laughs> That's
2: where I come from.
1: <laughs> I can I can relate. My not not to uh, cut you off, but I um I'm I consider myself, for lack of a better word, spiritual. Not a particular yeah. path, but um, my fiance who definitely believes in something, but she's quite atheist. So it's an interesting combination. So when right. I laugh, it's like, yeah, I get that. So anyways, <laughs> carry on.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I had, um, I, I was going to the school and churches where questions were kind of looked frowned upon yeah. and even looked at as um, sinful and sometimes getting punished for asking the wrong questions yeah. or, you um, or, or, you know, trying to figure out r- what the real heart of the story was or the rules that I was being given. And then I had this um, paternal influence that was all about rebelling and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and asking questions and and saying, no, that's not right. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, he was kind of a social outcast. Um so so because of that, I had this kind of undercurrent of a curiosity, um, particularly about things that my mother told me were sinful or evil <laughs> sure. or things that, um, you know, I, I was told in school were sinful or evil. So um, so I had this kind of hunger for uh, for something more and particularly um for for practices or or belief systems that might allow um, what I would call now as as sensuality or sexuality or, or emotionality like letting those things be not only acceptable but kind of looked at as sacred mm. um, versus my uh, my school and my church is telling me those things were, were evil or, or something to be suppressed so right. um, so, yeah, so so throughout my teenage years, I'm kind of hiding tarot cards under my bed and I, <laughs> <laughs> I hid uh, the first witchcraft book I ever hid under my bed was The Spiral Dance by Starhawk.
0: Mm, sure. Um
2: So I was kind of devouring that and and also kind of thinking, like, am I going to hell? Like, (laughs) is is my mom right? Um, But doing it nonetheless. And uh, when I when I was 18, I moved out of my parents' house as quickly as I could. And I lived in Ireland for six months. And there there was this real. Undercurrent of paganism that kind of coexisted right alongside Catholicism, which mm. was new for me, and I thought like, oh, you can have both. Yeah. Um, so, so I didn't live there for very long. It was only about six months. But when I came home, I had this sense of potential or possibility that it didn't have to be good versus bad, and I didn't have to like choose. Um, You know that makes
1: that just makes me think of and I'm sure like this it was nothing like that, but one of my favorite all-time favorite horror movies is uh, the original Wicker Man film. And I'm not sure yes, if Yes, that's so
2: good. Yes, yeah, the but, original one. Yeah. yeah,
1: not Nick Cage, but yes, the Christopher no. Lee one. And I, I adore that film. And it just made me think of that because, I mean, that's like over-the-top paganism over there. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, it just... <laughs> anytime I can throw out random stuff like that in a podcast, I'm going to jump on the opportunity. <laughs> so thank you for setting me up. So anyways, yeah. you come back and...
2: I come back. Yeah, I didn't find that island when I was over there, but, um, but I would have loved that. But yes. yeah, I, I came back and... Um it, I I moved to a very conservative part of Florida. And so there was kind of this slow, um, which is say coming out of the broom closet. Um, Mm -hmm. but this slow kind of, uh, coming out and being a little bit more open about it. So I didn't have a huge Epic moment where I was like, I'm a witch. (laughs) Um, but, but it was this slow awakening. Um, and I did have a night where I was 25. I had had my first son and I was having one of those kind of dark night of the soul moments where you're nursing your baby and you just sort of just feel like the loneliest person in the whole yeah, world. Sure. And I thought, well, I want this baby to grow up and be as authentic as possible. I don't want him to have to hide any part of who he is for fear of social um, denigration or whatever. So, mm. um, so there was a little bit of a decision made in that moment where I was like, well, I'm not going to hide it anymore. I'm not going to necessarily scream it from the rooftops, but <laughs> I'm not going to hide it anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, so then after that, I did fall into, um, uh, I, w- I was looking for community, right? If I wasn't hiding it anymore, I was looking for community. So I did fall into what I would call now a more predatory coven. Um, so, you know, kind of looking for young and hungry people <laughs> and sure. then maybe being a little bit more manipulative about it so i fell into this uh this community of people and some of them were very good and and certainly um, positive influences on my practice and my craft and then others weren't so uh, without going too into it i call that the time of my great wounding where yeah. i did i did find this mentor that i loved and i was very much harmed by her yeah. um and so my my whole family at the time And this is um, more than, let's see, 13 years ago now. So um, my whole family at the time kind of falls apart and I get divorced and I move with my children back to Pennsylvania and I decide that I'm never going to tell anybody that I'm a witch ever again. (laughs) I'm like, like, the hell with that. That doesn't work out for me. I'm just going to be quiet and practice in my kitchen for the rest of my life. And that lasted for like five minutes because (laughs) the place where I moved is very acceptable and liberal and I think I was teaching even witchcraft circles and I had like an open teaching coven within maybe two or three years Mm. Um, and I've been doing that since then so um, certainly and I think that a, a lot of people have that story where there's this spiritual hunger and then they find a teacher who maybe isn't particularly uh, good for them um, oh, <laughs> and, yes. and that happens during the late, 20, the late 20s when Saturn returns right so there's that g- great spiritual wounding
1: yeah um, you're not my first guest to share something like that so it is uh, but but you know as long as it's something you learn from grow from like it very much sounds that you did it's just part of the path right I mean it's yeah uh, the ebb and flow
2: Yeah, it seems that way. Like, I'm always resistant to saying it's some kind of a rite of passage because I don't want it to make it seem like everybody's destined to have this wounding (laughs) in their early 20s, but it seems that way sometimes. So, yeah, so that's where I've been since then.
1: Well, I dig that. I I resonate at a different um, level as far as curiosity. We certainly shared that in common when we were younger. On my end of the spectrum... Um, I mentioned earlier that I am into spirituality now, of course, but back when I was a young teenager in high school, I was extremely atheist, like hated the idea of God, didn't know the difference between religion and spirituality, but I did mm-hmm. find punk rock and hardcore music and underground hip hop. And mm-hmm. that for me, like when you were sharing about questioning and looking for deeper answers and more, that was, I didn't have the context at the time, but that actually was my introduction to spirituality and the Mm. funny thing i find now is that here i am many years later when i go to sit whether it's a buddha sangha or with uh, advaita people or whomever Mm. i can't tell you how many old school like hardcore punk rock kids i run into because (laughs) it was the same thing like they were dissatisfied with life um what was handed to them at face value and they were looking for more and for so many of us it ultimately led to whatever path it is whether it is in your case witchcraft or buddhism or mystic mm-hmm. christianity or islam i mean whatever it is it led ultimately to some kind of spiritual pursuit so mm-hmm. I, like i mentioned i think you are the first person out of uh, almost a hundred shows i've done that i've been able to talk to about witchcraft which um I'm really excited about, to be honest, I don't know a lot about witchcraft itself. I am very, very fascinated by uh, uh, the occult. I read a lot of occult literature. I know a lot of Mm -hmm. people hear that word and automatically associate it with something negative, whereas it really just means hidden knowledge. Um, Right. You know, so you could even look at like. Uh, a lot of the mystic teachings of Buddhism or Vedanta from Hinduism or, like I said, mystic Christianity, Gnosticism as a form of occultism in a way. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so witchcraft is, uh, but that is something that I uh, am not familiar with, with the exception of the few times I go and visit Salem, Massachusetts. I was just there this October and right. I, I'm sure that's kind of the uh, touristy played out thing. But it is, to be honest with you, um I really felt something uh, when I was there, walking around that square where they have the uh, witches' names and the little um, uh, not—they're almost like uh, benches or benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very sad. So, um, anyways, all that to say, let's let's talk about witchcraft. People, I'm guessing that are listening to the show and hear that word, probably have a pretty misconstrued idea of which it is of which no pun intended of what it is (laughs) and uh and I know that there are different forms of magic and you know white black etc so can you talk a little bit about witchcraft as it relates to you and your practice and what it is in your life
2: yeah so so I, I just uh, w- want to say first, because you had talked about, you know, this idea of, of a hunger for, for something more
0: yeah. and how
2: it was music for you um, yeah. was kind of filling that void that that happens um, so much, I think, with in my experience, primarily women who study with me, but not only women um, who were raised in uh, more strict religious traditions mm-hmm. like I was, that there almost always it is unlike in my story where i didn't really have like a what i would call like a spiritual gap or a spiritual void um i kind of leapt right from one thing to the, the next but but there is this all of a sudden like i'm i'm I don't believe in anything right mm-hmm. I'm just going to be atheist for the rest of my life like right. as soon as they get out of their parents house they're like that's it no more <laughs> of that and then when they come to witchcraft um, in whatever form they come to it there's this sense of coming home mm. Um, and and so to answer your question um, for me, a witch is anyone who meets both of two conditions. And I think that it's important to say that any witch will give you a different answer to the question of I'm who sure. is a witch. Right, right. <laughs> so mine is a very simple, um, almost like a cop out, it kind of answer <laughs> where, um, you, first of all, you, you, it's somebody that practices witchcraft. So you have to practice witchcraft, but right. that will mean any number of things to different people. Right. So for some, witchcraft is a religion um for some it is more like an art um, so I would fall into the latter camp where I think that my witchcraft is more like an art. Uh, a lot of that comes from my religious wounding where I don't, don't want to say that I have a religion. Sure. Um, and I've certainly argued with other witches over why my witchcraft is a religion. But anyway, it's, it's kind of the system that I like to buck against, you right. know, to me, a religion is a system and I don't like to say that I conform to <laughs> any system. Um, to the so choir.
0: Yeah. that's
2: my father's influence. Mm. Um, but, but so, so they practice witchcraft and then the other condition is that they have claimed the name witch for themselves rather than have it, um, given to them by some sort of external authority. Uh, So that doesn't mean that it can't be given to you through Mm. initiation or from an external authority, but there has to be that, that second, um, moment or I guess maybe more preliminary moment where you claim the name witch for yourself Mm. and you you might not necessarily be sharing that uh with anybody else or telling anybody else that you're a witch but there is this deep internal knowing that yes I am witch um so yes so those two things
1: so that's great and and uh, you know when I think of witch um I think of and this is probably very ignorant of me and I will own that I think of witch in relation to female and then male in relation to warlock. Is that true? Or can males be witches as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Any Anybody can be a witch regardless gotcha. of gender. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure.
1: Cool. Well, thank you for that clarification. And last question before we move on to the book. I am a total horror nerd. Love, love, <laughs> love horror movies. And, you know, the... In my judgmental opinion, many of the horror movies of the last several years have just been garbage. Um, <laughs> I am a snob when it comes to these things, but I admit it. But, um, you know, two films I really loved. Uh, one was Hereditary. Thought it was brilliant. Mm, Has, yeah, that was good. Yeah, it doesn't have much relation to this conversation. But the one I want to ask you about, and I love this film simply because I thought it was a really brilliant film. It was artistic. Mm-hmm. It was horror, um, but I'm curious from your opinion how true to life it is. Is the movie The Witch? I'm guessing Mm. you saw it, and I uh, have. What are your thoughts on that film versus reality, or just in general? (laughs) Like, um, yeah, I'd love to hear. Yeah.
2: I love, uh, I always quote the devil goat. Yeah. Um, do you want to live deliciously? <laughs> oh, I have that <laughs> mug.
1: Yeah, I drink out of that mug daily. I love it.
2: <laughs> well, I need that mug. Oh. I didn't know there was a mug. Oh, yeah, Phillips um, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but but that is a great, um, you know, devil and goats aside, yes. th- living deliciously. That's kind of it. Yeah. I mean, particularly if you believe that witchcraft is is an art that's to be approached with joy and it's kind of the stuff of poetry and beauty Hmm. rather than something that has to be um followed in kind of this hard-edged disciplined sort of way not that there isn't merit to discipline but but to to approach it with with more of a um A lighter heart, I guess. Mm. Um, And to uh, realize that we are of the earth and that sensuality is holy and sexuality is holy. So, um, you know, all of those things that are very much of the body, that they are sacred. I mean, that's kind of the heart of witchcraft. It's not not a practice of self-admonishment or or mm. having to like you know beat ourselves in order to do it correctly um so yeah so so while i um i didn't love the movie mm. i guess um i appreciated that part of it and i certainly loved the <laughs> end where she kind of dances off into the woods oh and yeah that <laughs> starts was so floating. i was like okay now it makes sense yeah
1: well good i like i said you know not being a witch myself but just looking at it as a film I, I really appreciated it in today's horror. Um, yeah. So thank you for your feedback. And I lied. I have one other question before we jump into the book, and it just sure. kind of came to mind. Why do you think, you know, a lot of people hear the word witchcraft and automatically there is an association with Satanism, or the devil. Where yeah. do you think that stems from? Why is that? And it just in your own um, experience and opinion.
2: Well, I mean, it stems from our indoctrination. Uh-huh. So the the Hammer of Witches that was written in, I think, fourteen something, maybe sixteen something. I could be totally wrong. Sure. Um, but um, by those two, they were just like two regular dudes that were trying to impress the Pope. So, <laughs> so they wrote The Hammer of Witches. Um, and all of it is about how basically healer women who, who were midwives are um, witches who are in cahoots with Satan and um and the, the Devil's Bride, and all mm. of this language that they use, and and I've read that a few times. It's 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 a relatively easy, quick read, The Hammer of Witches, because mm. the language that they use is just so sharp um, and and it is all about the devil and Satan and how witches are gonna be the downfall of humanity uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so so that I think is the root um, and um, I guess if we can go back even further than that um, in the King James Bible that one verse that the whole hammer of witches was based on thou shalt not suffer a witch to live mm-hmm. that was something that it, that K- King James inserted in his version of the Bible because he he was mad at his resident witch who lived in the castle (laughs) because she wouldn't let him go to war or something like that or she told him not to go to war so he put that in there like it wasn't even um in the earlier version. So, um, so we can go back farther and farther to it just kind of being these men who are pissed off. Yeah, (laughs) women.
1: Goddamn Um, men.
2: (laughs) I know. But the reason why we still have it is, is because, um, you know, people that have that visceral reaction to words like witch or heathen or pagan, what I usually say is, to really ask yourself like, where does that come from? And then you'll get an answer and then I'll say, well, what's under that? And then you get another answer and what's under that, what's under that. And it doesn't take that many layers of digging to realize like, Oh, that's not even my belief. It comes from, you know, uh, fairy tales or something. So,
1: yeah. yeah. I love that. That reminds me, uh, not exactly the same, but there's a practice that I often use. um, And it's one where, What I've learned through the years is essentially any emotional reaction I have to another person and not just negative could be positive, but it is just simply a projection of something inside of me. I am projecting it through my lens and my filter based on my life experience onto somebody else. And so I take that and just kind of similar to what you said, it's like, all right, what is that saying about me? You know, say Mm -hmm. I don't like that person's haircut or something well, what is that actually saying about me? Or I really like that person's, you know, whatever. Okay. But what, it's not about them. What is it about me? So, um, I try to, to use that as often as possible. And I really can't tell you how much I've learned about myself and a lot of these deeply ingrained beliefs, um, that I've had instilled in me since childhood that Mm -hmm. do not serve me. You know, they're very outdated paradigms that, uh, through a, a practice as simple as that, um, I'm able to recognize and, um, in most cases, lay aside. Might come back up again at a later date, but, you know, I, I'm quicker to recognize it and then move on. So, um, yeah, I really dig what you had to say about that. So, appreciate yeah. you sharing that. So, let us dive into the book, finally. Um, I want to <laughs> repeat the title. I love the title. It's called The Holy Wild, A Heathen Bible for the untamed woman. So let's talk kind of cliche, but really that's, that's a rad title. Can you talk to me (laughs) about the title? Like what, why that title? Where does that stem from?
2: Yeah, I came up with the title first and then I wrote the book. (laughs) Awesome. That's
1: ass backwards for me. So it's cool to hear that.
2: (laughs) Um. So, uh, let's see, I'll start with heathen because, yeah. um, heathen was probably the first word that I was like, I want to write, write something about heathen. Um, heathen was one of the names my mother used to call me whenever I was doing something that I thought was really interesting and she <laughs> thought <it> was really <laughs> sinful. um, so it's a word that I've always liked. Um, and the etymology of heathen is dweller on the heath or someone that inhabits uncultivated land. Oh. Um, so it's it's kind of this idea of stripping down our spirituality, our witchcraft, whatever you want to call your spiritual practice, mm. stripping it down right to the elements like mm-hmm. bare bones, um, peeling back all of those layers that, um, that either you used to practices that used to very much be for you or beliefs that used to very much be for you, but they no longer work mm. or or practices or beliefs that weren't even yours to begin with. So peeling all of that back and living on spiritually uncultivated land. that was mm. the idea of heathen. Um, and then the holy wild, so so wild being not, not necessarily immature or volatile or or all of those things that we might think of when we're out of control, all of those things that we might think of when we hear the word wild, Hmm. but wild meaning very much connected to nature. And in that, not just a kinship with the elements, but also being able to give your permission, give your spiritual practice permission to cycle. So, like you were just saying about how, you know, recognizing that beliefs aren't yours anymore, mm. that that within witchcraft that's very much um a, a kind of a, the ebb and flow of it is you embrace something you use it for a while and then you let it go um and you know they, it might be very short cycles where something works for a week and then it doesn't anymore or it might be these year decades even uh periods of time but that it that you you give yourself permission to let your spirituality cycle just like um the moon cycles or the season cycle or our emotion cycle Mm -hmm. um so that's the idea of wild is you know we have nature we have the elements yes but everything else can kind of wax and wane
1: i love it and there's two other words in the uh in the subtitle that i wanted to explore with you uh Mm -hmm. one of them being bible which of course Mm -hmm. you know it's a pretty big word and then um i i appreciate untamed woman so Mm -hmm. if you want to go one by one and just why you chose those words in particular in uh, to use in the subtitle
2: so so i'll say woman was one that i was kind of like fighting over like mm-hmm. we did <laughs> i wanted to say um let's see i think the original one word was priestess the untamed priestess and then it was witch and then it was you know we were trying to make it accessible right mm-hmm. so we didn't want to um to so woman seemed like it was the most accessible so sure. so woman wasn't my word of choice i'll be honest (laughs) sure sure. i trust
1: me having three books out i have fought over titles subtitles i totally get it yeah Yeah, you know how it goes
2: um but untamed yeah so so untamed just like uh wild or heathen i mean i think that uh it's it's similar so Mm. it's just this resistance to any uh cage that you've been put in um psychically spiritually um and then, uh, let's see, oh, Bible. So yeah. so Bible just means book. Okay. Um, and I think that um, I did have a little bit of like that outlaw rebel father in me that was like, well, why, you know, if it just means book, then why, <laughs> why, do, we, why do we have all of these connotations about what that word means if it just means book? Mm-hmm. Um, but also uh, a big theme of, of the book is that uh, the reader is able to kind of, write their own story a little bit in the verses chapters. So there's these opportunities to um, look at your life, look at the reader's life as this kind of epic novel. Mm. And so knowing every experience, even those that seem very much mundane or unimportant, that they can be holy and sacred. Mm. Um, so So, you know, saying the word Bible, it's not me saying, you know, I've written this—the next Bible. Right, it's, right, right. It's, it's me saying the, that the reader's story is very much sacred and and as holy as any story that might be included in a book that would be called a Bible.
1: Well, I dig that. I mean, I've seen so many books that have you know the, this the Bible of this or Bible of that. So right. I just thought it was. I actually chuckled when I saw it in relation to this book. I I thought it was a little clever. Whether that it was <laughs> meant to be or not, I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, I, I dig that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I did want to, cause it does say for the untamed woman, as I read through the book, you know, I, it is obviously written for women, but I, I, I found that I got a lot out of it. What would you say, you know, regarding, uh, it is, I'm sure the target demographic as you're talking to your publishers, women, whatever ages, but you know, would you say that this is a book that some men could actually benefit from?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, like I say in the introduction, and even though I'm using the she pronouns a lot, yeah. um, I'm really talking about the feminine. And I think right. that you know all of us have masculine and feminine energies absolutely. that cycle within us, regardless of what our gender is. So, so yeah, I think that um, men have, and certainly can get a lot out of the book um it's just you know getting past that it, it, are, are you offended by the word she or, right, right, <laughs> or right. does it seem like you know it's trying to uh put some sort of label on you you know some some men will resist that um in which case then right. they might not like the book very much but but I, I certainly didn't write it only for women
1: i i dig it yeah and i could tell as i read it so Definitely wanted to make sure we uh, we discuss that quickly for any of the men out there listening. So regarding <laughs> the book. You know, the way you laid it out, it's written in these five different sections or kind of chapters and, and one for each of the elements. Um, And you have these sections which are comprised of verses, rituals, and magic. And I was wondering if you could talk about each of those. And I know this is going to be a bit of a lengthier part of our conversation, but if you can maybe give us an overview of these five elements, um, how you, how they're presented in the book if there's any of the verses or rituals or anything out of any of them you care to share as an example um i really wh- wherever you would like to go with that the uh the floor is yours
2: <laughs> okay yeah so so the book is split into five separate books one for each of the elements so there's the book of earth the book of water mm. the book of fire the book of air the book of ether mm. and then within each of those books they are there's three chapters so there's 15 chapters altogether. together mm. so in each of the books for each element there's verses rituals and magic um and so <clears throat> the verses chapters for each element that's when when i was talking about giving the reader opportunities to kind of write their own story or reflect on the other part of the verses chapters which are like poetry and also these revisioning revision tales of certain um wild feminine archetypes which would be like very often these shamed women from the bible like Mm -hmm. jezebel or mary magdalene or uh, the whore of babylon um or lilith right so so for each element there's a different different revisioned archetype where was totally Me, It's not coming from any place of archaic knowledge, where Mm. I just rewrote this story of this woman, and then gave the reader an opportunity to reflect on their own personal story and the experiences that might be shared or have some sort of similar pattern um, to whoever that revisioned goddess archetype might be. Mm. so that would be in the verses chapters and then the rituals are then looking at that element looking at all of the work that was done in the verses chapters and then building these kind of small i call it practical magic but the these small ceremonies where you can celebrate the element or develop a deeper kinship with the element um there aren't very many there are some but there aren't very many elaborate um rituals in there there like little micro rituals that could Mm. be done, you know, wherever. So um, pretty accessible. And then the, the magic chapters, those are what I would call pathworking experiences or, or guided meditations, which I know they're always weird to put in a book because it's like, how do you?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like you have to record them and listen to them back right. or whatever. Yeah, I know. I've done it too. It's like, I feel weird, but yeah, yeah, I get it.
2: But people seem to like it. So yeah, so yeah. that's in there in the magic chapters. There's some pathworking and then there's also um, more poetry and then some opportunities for spell work um, in the magic chapters also so that's sort of the rhythm of it and then so so the earth element would be like our foundation um, so the earth versus rituals and magic they're very uh kind of primal so so very much linked to the senses and nature and um what i would call like the the lower energetic uh energy centers so like mm-hmm. the chakra system the root chakra sacral, sacral chakra Um, And also the maiden and the hunter archetype would be earth. So very base. Mm. And then water is emotions and art and um, sensuality, sexuality, Fire is our will and our activism and our right to affect change in our world. And then there's kind of this big leap between the fire and the air elements because the fire chapters are very angry. <laughs> and then, and then yeah. we get to air and it's all about um, you know, breath and the heart chakra and love and relationship. Yeah. Um, and then finally, ether is even harder to explain because it's less tangible. So, so ether is... Where I would say the others, capital O exist. So ghosts, spirit guides, um, are, are the ancestors that are supporting you and surrounding you, all of that is very much of the ether. Mm. so so kind of looking at all five of those elements in relationship to one another uh, rather than as separate little puzzle pieces. Mm.
1: so I I want to elaborate on the last thing you touched on. First of all, thank you. That was a really great recap in a short amount of time. Very succinct. My hat's (laughs) off to you. Um, So but I want to touch on the the end there where we talk about, you know, the ether, ghosts, otherworldly beings, because I 100 percent. Absolutely believe in that. You know, my not just a belief, I mean, physics says literally everything is energy, and the one thing that cannot be destroyed is energy. And so, I've had this conversation. I don't mean to throw my fiance under the bus, I love her to death, and she is very (laughs) open minded and incredible woman. I mean, I asked her to marry me, so she must be pretty special, but she does not for and she loves horror movies too. But she does not believe in ghosts or you know, she says, sure, there's maybe energies, but she does not believe in any of that and i'm guessing that maybe some of the listeners are are with her and and don't necessarily believe in that either and that's fine i mean to each their own believe in what you will but Mm -hmm. i'd love to hear if you don't mind going a little bit deeper into that and and your thoughts or experience or on on ghosts or that 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 area of the elements Mm -hmm. how how that how that kind of plays out in life in our life at least
2: Yeah, I have so much to say about that.
1: Yeah, well, we've got time. So, yeah, have at it.
2: Um first i'll say uh that i have a lot of people in my life um who who are like that i have a lot of friends my my sons uh, particularly my old my older son very skeptical Mm. does not believe in ghosts um my ex-husband was like that didn't believe in ghosts so um but always (laughs) with these people including my children all of the and my friends that will swear that ghosts don't exist they all have like ghost stories like they've all seen things happen and they just kind of like write that off like oh yeah that happened and it's like well then (laughs) (laughs) there's your proof um so so yeah so I think that witches are always looking for proof that that their magic is real that that spells work um and so as soon as you get that proof like as soon as you see a ghost um or hear a ghost or something that it's like, you know, there's not really denying it anymore, right. I think, although it seems like people certainly do. Sure. <laughs> and oh, and yeah. I guess it's like a almost like a self-preservation thing. Mm-hmm. Like I know that there's this resistance to knowing that this whole other subtle energy realm exists and is perhaps affecting things right, <laughs> in, right. in, in our world. Um and I get that that's scary. But I think that, um, you know, there's this, there's this wealth of, of, um, of magic and support. So it's not only the tricksters who are kind of messing, messing with you. Mm -hmm. Um, so to acknowledge that that subtle energy realm exists is, is kind of everything. And, um, you know, for me, I, the first ghost I ever talked to was my great grandmother who died when I was very young. And so that was the first time where I was just talking about it, like it was normal, like, yeah, I was talking to great grandma last night. And it was the first time that, um, you know, my mother had prayer cards filled out for me. And Mm -hmm. and I had like the men kind of praying over me, like I was possessed or something like that, because I was talking to my dead grandma. (laughs) Um, So for me, it's always just been there. And so I didn't, have the opportunity to not believe in right. ghosts and I don't maybe I you know wish that I could have had that sometimes <laughs> um but yeah I mean right now I live in this very haunted house where wow. things move all the time I mean i well, even even people that don't um, see ghosts all the time we'll see things in my house no um, there's a bell that like one of these old bells um, I don't know what it used to be for for dinner or something is like hanging up near the basement and it'll just ring by itself mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> there's no reason for that to be happening right now right. unless you believe in ghosts so yeah so um, I'm very much into the ether element um, and I I don't try to convince people anymore that <laughs> Oh yeah. I, <laughs> don't (laughs)
1: of course so i'm (laughs) guessing though in in your case in your house that these are friendly spirits friendly ghosts
2: not all the time No. no they there's um there's four that are like the the kind of mainstays so the house was built in 1780 something so it's super old so there's four ghosts that i'm aware of that i are okay and always here then there's others that like i don't know if there's a portal in the (laughs) house but there's people that kind of like come in and then leave and some of them aren't good some of them are really annoying (laughs) and they'll kind of mess with me while i'm sleeping so so um
1: well, let me ask you this. And then, Danielle. So whenever yeah. like my, my fans are watching movies, especially about like things like that, like ghosts or hauntings and stuff, it's like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of one that we watched recently and the name is slipping my mind, but it's like, you know, you're watching it and it, it's beyond a shadow of a doubt. There's like it's haunted and they know mm-hmm. it's haunted. And, it, you know, we're both yelling at the TV. Why the fuck aren't you just moving out? Why are <laughs> yeah. you still staying? Why are you living there? What, yeah. So, so you're living it. Let me ask you, like, why, why do you choose to stay? Do you, do you think it's that there are relative, or, since you're in touch with that, that you would run into that no matter where you move or what is it that keeps you there?
2: Now I, well, I know that I don't run into it everywhere okay. that I live. Uh, Cause the last house I lived in was very, um, uh, what's calm.
0: Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't
2: feel anything in the house ever. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so, but it just doesn't bother me. Um, And I guess my breaking point would be if they started messing with my kids um, and, and they don't. I mean, my my children don't. Seem like they um even, even my so my older child even if something did mess with him he would say that it wasn't real my younger <laughs> son is nine um but even he doesn't seem to really feel anything here gotcha. so as long as that doesn't happen then I'm fine with it cool. um because it doesn't bother me at all I just talk to them like they're regular people All and right, all right so leave me alone
1: yeah there you go <laughs> all right so that helps make some sense to me so I appreciate yeah. that now, you, you used the word magic before, and um, I've had Damien Eccles on the show. I'm, I'm guessing you're familiar with his work. Um, yes. He's a dear friend of mine. And, um, you know, he went into length about magic, and, uh, but magic spelled with a K, which you do similar. So, mm-hmm. for anyone who hasn't listened to that show, and that's a recurring theme throughout this book, um, can you talk about what that means, magic with a K?
2: Mm. So that's another thing that I think that most practitioners would give you a different answer for. For sure, um, yeah. But as far as why it has a K, um, I'm pretty sure that was Gerald Gardner who started doing that in order to distinguish between magic that, that we might do, that witches might do, mm. versus magic that a magician might do, which is more like illusion or trickery. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so magic with a K as in the real deal. Yeah. Um, and so the way I define magic is is magic is our conversation with the world about the kind of world we hope the children of the future will live in. Mm. And the reason I define it that way is because it isn't just these symbolic actions that we might do, uh, casting a circle, raising energy, all of that very potent practice and very much part of my practice. Um, but it's more about, uh, how your magic is affecting change in the world, because any magic is a way of connecting to the cosmic web mm. and knowing that you aren't existing in isolation, because if you were, then you casting a spell wouldn't do anything. So sure. so you're, you're saying that I'm connected to these energies and that I have the right to move these energies in order to, um, to affect change, mm. and that that change can't just be this kind of selfish personal need and, and and it can be that partly, but it needs to be um it needs to speak to your bigger values. So for instance, if I'm casting like an abundance spell for myself, if I want to invoke more uh, money or or something right. then then I have to connect that to. The abundance that I would hope to see um, for the world—that that, mm. that um, you know—I'm going to connect it to something beyond myself. Now, sometimes that's just—I um, have a, a close circle of witches where we'll, we'll, even if we're not physically near each other, we'll kind of psychically connect with each other. So I'll I'll call them in. So if I'm calling abundance in for myself, I'm also doing it for them. Yeah. Um, and like that would count, you know, because it's it's something beyond you. So yeah magic's a big deal um Mm. (laughs) and it's 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 a form of activism um Mm. for a lot of witches it's it's a way of um of using our magic not just to to for personal gain but also for the to to support the global community
1: i love it yeah very cool i appreciate that answer thank you Mm-hmm. yeah so something else I was wondering about you know because I know a big part of witchcraft is uh nature, you know earth is uh one of the, if I think it was the first element um that you'd mentioned, mm-hmm. but uh I know there's a lot of listeners I have that live in the city or more urban mm-hmm. areas so What would you say to them? They might not have access to, you know, the woods like a lot of people that live in more rural areas. Um, Mm -hmm. Are they able to still practice this or or what could they do? How do they replace that? What what you know, what suggestions or advice would you give them?
2: Yeah, the the first thing I like to say is that they are. Beautifully positioned because even though they might not have you know these wilds to kind of run off run off into uh, whenever they want, they have immense resources that someone that does live near those wilds might not have. Mm. So they have access to uh, to community. Um, they might have a an open teaching coven or a circle or something like that um, that they could access, whereas somebody that lives in a more rural uh, wild place wouldn't have that um, they might have a, a you know a witchcraft shop down the street on the corner
0: <laughs> where they can
2: go and buy things that somebody that lives in the country couldn't so um, so that's the first thing I'd like to say is that you know to, to kind of focus on the resources that they do have because they have this wealth of resources living in a more urban area mm-hmm. um, and that nature's everywhere so you know even if they're living in a place that seems like it's more concrete and skies. Scrapery um that they can still see the sky that there's still green green spaces that there's still um you know weeds growing up through the cracks in the concrete so so you know nature is everywhere and we don't have to be in a wild untamed place in Mm. order to see it
1: awesome well thank you for that now time for a really super important question american horror story can you even bring yourself to watch it (laughs) <laughs> I... um,
2: up until this past season was okay yeah. um the past two i've had to turn off um it was, wasn't even halfway through i don't think so um Yeah, I watched it this whole last time. I love when they have Stevie Nicks on. (laughs) Yes, I mean, how
1: can you not? That's always a highlight. But I mean, I watch it again because I I don't identify such, but I can only imagine like, you know, being a, a true real to life witch. And watching yeah. that, like, it might be painful, or maybe you can just see it as entertainment. But, yeah, I was just curious if you were able to even watch it, or if you found it offensive, or, you know, what your thoughts No, no,
2: are. I don't find it offensive. Yeah, I, th- I actually think the Coven season was pretty good. Yeah, um, oh, good. Yeah, cool. I like that uh, the past, this past season was okay. Yeah. Um, I was hoping it was more of, like, an angel and devil thing rather yes. than a witches and warlock thing. <laughs> yeah, they kind of <laughs> sold
1: it like it was going to be that, but... I did just see that next season they're bringing the coven back again. So we ah. will see them. So there's a bit of news for you. Um, well, <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, like I said, the, the, we save the things that really matter for the end of the conversation here. So, um, <laughs>
2: That's an important question. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um,
1: but no, like all kidding aside, I, what I do want to say is I, the reason I really appreciated this book is as I went through it, I have a deep reverence for any kind of book that I look at as a really thorough yet accessible introduction into something mm. that someone otherwise might not be familiar with. And I think you nailed it with this book. I There are plenty of books out there on witchcraft. I mean, that goes without saying. But I think your book is absolutely wonderful for someone who may be interested or have been toying with the idea or maybe they did watch, you know, American Horror Story and like, huh, I'd like to learn more about that. You know, yeah. here is a really <laughs> wonderful book that is uh, is no bullshit. It breaks it down. It, it, but again, it's very accessible. Um, So, you know, I just wanted to give you kudos for that. And I mean, there's so much more we could talk about that you cover in this book. But since we are running out of time, what I wanted to do was give you the last few minutes here to. Really talk about anything in the book that we didn't cover that you would like to share with the audience. Any points you think that may be important or really just whatever you'd like to uh, to kind of leave us with.
2: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I think that the the only thing that I would want to emphasize um that is in the book is that it's important to we we had talked a little bit about this idea of of wildness and having your craft cycle um it's important to look at your lived experience um as somebody who's maybe coming uh, approaching witchcraft timidly or, (laughs) or, or or wanting to get more into it but not sure um to look at your lived experience in terms of those moments when you really felt like you were at one with the cosmic web or, uh, in the flow or however you want to phrase it, those fleeting moments where you really felt, um, kind of at peace or at ease. Um, and usually those happen in nature. Sometimes they're in solitude. Sometimes they're with other people. Um, but those fleeting moments in time, not not long periods of time where it was like, well, I lived in this place and it was great or I took this trip and it was great. Right. Um, these like really sh- brief moments where like maybe you're watching the sunrise and there's this moment of, of like, oh, yeah, or or you're staring at the full moon or or something or you're gardening, um, dancing. Uh, all of those are very common, uh, common patterns. But then to, to look at those patterns between those moments. um, are you always outside? Are you often with animals? Are you, um, often with, uh, like a campfire or something Mm. like that and, or swimming and, and look for the dominant elements and know that that is very telling as far as what your craft is going to look like, what your ceremonies will look like. Um, not that it can't change, but, but that it's very much born of, of something uh, that goes far deeper than intellect or reading a book or anything like that, that it's very much almost like a soul mandated kind of practice. Um, so yeah. So looking through lived experience and kind of taking it almost an inventory and that's where you begin.
1: a good that. place. Yeah. What a <laughs> wonderful note to end on Danielle. This has been a really fun Uh, engaging and just a nice change of pace. I really appreciate your energy and your time. Um, For those listening, the website again is livingmandalayoga.com or if you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network webpage, just scroll down. The link is right there. The name of the book is The Holy Wild, A Heathen Bible for the Untamed Woman. My guest has been Danielle Dulsky, a true witch, a true badass, a true heart warrior, and uh, someone that uh, I'm grateful to have had on the show. Danielle, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so
2: much, Chris.
1: Thank you.